This morning, I'd like to begin by wishing Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers here today. You're welcome. <laughs> we love you all, and we're grateful for each and every one of you. And I also want to give a very, hopefully I get through this next part without crying. I cried when I typed it, so. Um, <laughs> this morning, I want to wish a very special Happy Mother's Day to my mom, who is more than likely watching online. Um, she's been watching online every week. And uh, love you, Mom. And uh, miss you. Um, growing up, you just never grasp how much your mother does for you. Um, and it wasn't until I left home and that I began to realize and understand how big of trouble I was going to be in um, <laughs> because I began to realize how much mom took care of. Um, but thankfully, um, with my sister and I, those skills and knowledge um, that we needed were handed down to us. Um, and even though I can cook a pretty good hot meal, it never compares to what mom can make in the kitchen. I think it's because of all the extra love that she puts into it. Um, I find myself always messaging her and calling her for advice, um, always calling and messaging her about recipes that she makes, um, and quickly complaining that mine never turn out as good as hers. Um, but every single time, she encourages me to keep trying. Um, but there's always one thing that stands out to me about my mom. That's the constant encouragement that she's always given me to focus on Christ and to continue trusting in him and everything that I do. She has helped me walk through many trials and struggles, never once judging me, but always, always admonishing me through the word of God and in much prayer. And even through her own struggles, She's been a shining example of what it means to have faith in Christ and to place Him at the center of everything. We were always taught to keep our eyes on Him. That God is always faithful and loving. And to this day, I hear that at least once a week. Christ must be at the center of everything. For that, I'm very grateful. For several months, we've been walking through the Gospel of John with Pastor Bob, and I couldn't help but think back on the many moments in life which remembering her encouragements to remain in Christ has helped me tremendously. Mom has been a vessel of God's grace more times than she knows. Over the last few weeks, as we traveled through John, <coughs> John, we have looked at Christ and his encounters with many different individuals and how he has taken the opportunity to break through barriers in order to bring the gospel of God's kingdom to everyone. Through those different encounters, we begun to, uh, began to understand that faith begins with rational thought and continues to grow as we commit to living the way he has called us to live in him. 
Even in finding rest, as we saw last week, we know that without Christ, we will be restless. We do good in remembering that we have secure position in Christ. We're able to draw on His power and we can have trust in our relationship with Him. In thinking on Mom's encouragement to keep Christ at the center and our journey so far through the Gospel of John, I was brought back to Colossians chapter 1. And so if you'd like to follow along, that's where we'll be this morning. Our message this morning is entitled, Christ in Us. Why Colossians 1? For me, it paints a clear picture of the simplicity of the gospel message and what it should mean to us as Christ followers. It's one of the clearest discussions on the person of Christ, and more specifically, the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Christ is supreme over everything, and he is sufficient in everything. Paul, in his letter to the church at Colossae, is leading us to believe that Christ is all that we need in this life, and all we're going to need to move forward with confidence through this life and into the life to come. And so with that, we come to our first observation that I'd like to make in Colossians 1. And that is, everything is done through Christ. Our faith is through Christ. Paul is writing this letter from a place and with a purpose. Paul is in prison during the time of writing this letter. And it leads me to understanding that in any of our situations and in any of our circumstances, Christ is enough. Christ is all that we need. Christ will continue to direct our paths for His glory And for his purpose, nothing at all will stop God from fulfilling his purpose and his promises in our life. Although Paul is in prison, God is still using him to encourage and teach his people in the Colossian church. Paul here is writing to address the issue of heretical teaching that has been infiltrating the church there in Colossae. There was an ideology being taught that in order to understand the gospel, there was this secret knowledge that needed to be obtained in conjunction with our faith in Him. And so Paul is writing to dispel this heresy and to remind the Colossians that Christ is at the center of everything and that is made evident by the power of Christ has done for you and for me. In verses 13 and 14 we read, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It is in Christ we, have find, we can find the fullness of life. Paul makes clear here the gospel message. Christ did all the work. He alone has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us safely into the kingdom of light. It is in Christ that we find redemption. It is through Christ that our sins are forgiven. It is not by anything we have done, but it is all made possible by what God has done through Christ that makes us a Christ follower and brings us to life spiritually. And so we moved forward from the state of darkness into light through faith in Him. And by His grace, we now have a relationship with God. We have forgiveness and redemption in Christ. It's not a secret. There's no code that needs to be known to decipher this knowledge. We receive forgiveness and redemption through Christ. 
We are moved from darkness and into life through Christ. And though Christ and through Christ we're given a new identity. We see this in verses 9 through 12. And Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Paul prays that we will begin to receive wisdom and knowledge so that through the transformation of walking from darkness into light, we will live a life worthy of the calling placed on us. That we will live in the reality of what Christ has done for us. That we live out that transformation. We are to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God, bearing fruit in every good work. We are to remember that we are now strengthened by power that is according to His glorious might. Our strength comes from Christ. We draw from Him. We saw some of that last week as we looked at drawing from Christ's account according to His name. We see that again this week when we look at the strength of Christ. It's not just His righteousness, but we can draw so much more. We're also called to live a life of gratitude giving joyful thanks to God in all that we do. Not a begrudging thanks and not a hasty thanks. Our whole lives should be a joyful response to what God has done for us through Christ. We have been moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light through Christ. Let that sink in. We have been rescued because of Christ through the work that He's done on the cross. And so Paul establishes an operational grid for us to work from. We are gaining a clear perspective. The gospel is simple. Our faith is in Christ alone. We don't need any special knowledge. Our faith should be in Christ alone who has forgiven us, redeemed us in order to live lives pleasing and glorifying to God. I love this next section of Scripture. It's a beautiful passage. We don't have time to fully unpack it, but I'd like to share a few observations from it. So, so far we've seen that everything happens through Christ. So our second observation today from Colossians 1 concerning Christ being at the center of everything is that all is possible by Christ only. The theologian J.B. Lightfoot made this note about the book of Colossians, specifically about Colossians 1, saying that in this book, the doctrine of the person of Christ is stated with more precision and fullness than in any other of the epistles of the Apostle Paul. We see this in verse 15 through 20. A beautiful hymn in some regard to be a poem on the person of Jesus Christ and why our forgiveness and redemption is made possible by Christ only. The first thing we see is that Christ is the originator. He's the catalyst by which all things are created. In Genesis 1, we see that God created all things by His words. We learned early on in our series in the Gospel of John that Christ 
is a word made flesh. All things were created by Christ and Christ only. In verses 15 through 16, we see the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. It's here that we find the answer to two very important questions. One, does my life matter? And two, why am I here? Our lives matter because we were created by Him. He has given us purpose and meaning. And just as Christ was made in the image of God, so are we. We were created and exist to be in relationship with Him, to worship Him, and to bring Him glory. The second thing that we see in this passage is Jesus is the sustainer. In verse 17, Paul writes, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. We see that Jesus holds all things together, and that includes us. He holds us together by His power. We see in verses 19 through 20 later on that the cross of Christ is what holds us together in our relationship with God. By Him and in Him, all things have been created and find their fullness. They weren't just created, they find their being in Him. Everything is held together by Christ and only Christ. He knows everything about us. My favorite book of the Bible is the Psalms, and they've been a source of encouragement many times over the years. We see in Psalm 139 that God has created us down to our inmost being. He knit us together, and by His power and grace, we exist. The psalmist then writes that God has seen our unformed bodies, and our days have been ordained. He has meticulously and masterfully put us together, and He keeps us together. The third thing in why our forgiveness and redemption is possible by only Christ is because He alone is the leader. Verses 18 and 19 we see, And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything we might have the supremacy, He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. Christ is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. He is the beginning. He is the end. He's the firstborn from among the dead. He is supreme, and in Him dwells the fullness of God. In Him we find all that we need. He created us, and in Him we find our, our being. In Christ, we know and understand who God is, and we live a life pleasing to Him in relationship with Him. And so our forgiveness and redemption are by only Christ, because He is also our peacemaker. It's the fourth thing we'll note in this passage. We see in verse 20 that Christ came into the world so that He could be born, He could live, die, 
resurrect, and defeat death simply to bring us back into a right relationship with God. He became the ultimate sacrifice so that we may have peace with God the Father. In last week's sermon, Bob talked about finding rest in our relationship with God. And we can trust in that relationship because of what Christ has done on the cross, which has brought peace between us and God. It is because of who Christ is that our forgiveness and redemption is made possible. Only Christ can make a way back to the Father. We'll see later on in our series in John in chapter 14, Christ says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And we have seen that everything happens to Christ and only by Christ. Our final observation in Colossians 1 about the gospel and our faith in Christ is that it is all possible because of Christ in us. In the last section of chapter 1 and heading into chapter 2, Paul takes us on a theological journey. We need to remember two things from earlier, though. One, Paul is writing from a place with a purpose. Paul's in jail, facing suffering and persecution. His whole ministry is based on the gospel. He has suffered greatly because of the gospel and for the gospel. And he wants to make sure that the Colossian church understands that all, is, all that we need is in Christ, and Christ alone for our forgiveness and redemption. Paul has staked his life on it because he knows firsthand the power of Christ. Secondly, we need to remember that Paul is a Jew. He was raised in Jewish culture and education. He came to have an experience with Jesus personally, which changed his life. He went from someone who persecuted Christians to a Christ follower himself. And so now, Paul has been charged to take the gospel not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. He wants the church in Colossae to understand that we are God's people. All of us. God has always had a people, in fact. But because of our sin, we were separated from God. And from the garden to the cross, God has been working to reconcile us back to Him. He's been working to reconcile everything back to Him. God has always made a way for His people to communicate with Him and to worship Him. In the wilderness, we see the tent of meeting. Later on, we see the tabernacle. And in Jerusalem, we see the temple. This paints us the picture that there was always a need for a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people and for the nation. This also shows that there was always a gap between God and man, a separation because of our sinful nature. In the temple, we see this shown as with the outer court and the court that, is, that contained the Holy of Holies. So the question now becomes, how do we close that gap? What do we do to be able to return into a relationship with God? Paul points us back to Christ. Christ must be at the center. It is because of His supremacy and sufficiency 
that forgiveness and redemption is made available. Christ is a bridge between us and God. It is not what we do that brings us to God, but what Christ has done. As we saw in verses 9 through 13, it is by Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that we have been reconciled back to God and the veil has been torn. It is because of Christ we now have access to God. We are at our greatest potential when Christ is at the center of our lives. We must surrender every facet of our lives to Him if we want to live lives that are pleasing to God. All that is made possible because of the work of Christ. And it is at this moment and this point that Paul reveals the beauty of the gospel, the mystery that has been revealed to us. The word here for mystery denotes that it isn't a secret. It is understood to be more like treasures to behold. He writes in verse 27, To whom, to him, excuse me, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is a mystery made known to us. It is a mystery that was unknown to the generations before. It was a mystery unknown to Abraham or Noah or David. It's a mystery that has been given to us because of Christ. I want you to listen to that again. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And that mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is Christ in you, Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. That is the hope we must cling to in our relationship with God, Christ in us. There's no special knowledge needed to understand the message of the gospel. It is already given. It is Christ. That is it. Paul lays it all out. Our forgiveness and redemption, our reconciliation with God is made possible because of Christ. I want you to see this. Take a look at that verse again. I don't want you to miss the very small detail that's there. Paul tells us that it is Christ in us, not Christ and us. The gospel is solely dependent on Christ alone and what He has done. It is not dependent on us at any point. It is made possible through Christ by only Christ. It is Christ in us. The beauty of it is that Christ is now in us. Right now. It is what unifies us all. It's what brings us all here today to worship, to gather, to honor Him with all that we have. It has taken a lot of time for that to sink in for me. For a long time, for me, it was a Christ and me gospel. I thought I had to do my part before He did His. I had to be able to accomplish everything in my might 
and in my goodness and in my righteousness before he filled in the rest. You see, the Christ and me gospel, it's like tag team wrestling. You get tired, you're getting beat down, and so it's time to tap out and tap God to come in. And that's not how this works. I grew tired of failing and feeling as though I wasn't good enough. But it was through constant encouragement and the counsel of the Spirit that I began to realize that everything is made possible because of Christ in me. We are not capable of earning our own forgiveness and redemption. We are not able to bring about our own salvation. It is all possible through Christ, by only Christ, and because Christ is in us. But here's the thing. This doesn't mean that we get to sit back in the recliner of grace while God works. We get up and we move in power of Christ, working alongside him. The strength we receive to move forward is through Christ in us. We labor, we strive, we struggle in his strength. Christ gives us the strength and energy we need to accomplish the work that is laid before us to bring glory to God for his kingdom, not our own. And so Paul ends with a reminder that we've seen before. He echoes verses 13 through 20. And his goal of wanting to help the church in Colossae to be mature in Christ and states that he is striving to reveal these things so that the church won't be deceived with arguments that sound reasonable. In verses 28 through chapter 3, Paul says this, He, Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the Spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. No other ideology will suffice. There are no secrets. There's no hidden knowledge. The gospel is simple. Our faith is made possible through Christ, only by Christ, and because of Christ in us. Christ alone is supreme and sufficient. Our faith must be in Christ alone. And we must move forward with the understanding that Christ is in us, providing us with the grace, mercy, and wisdom needed to accomplish His will and the purpose of God that will bring glory to Him. Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for all that you do and for all that you've done. Father, we come before you thanking you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to be the ultimate sacrifice to bring us back into a right relationship with you and to have peace with you, to be reconciled back to you. And so, Father, this morning I pray that you help us to remember that our faith is through Christ alone and that he is in us. Father, help us to remain focused on that truth that we may be able to go forth and live lives that are pleasing to you, other lives that will glorify you and bring glory to your kingdom. Father, again, we, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all online for tuning in with us in worship. And I hope you guys have a wonderful afternoon.